I'm Mr. Potsable, Joshua Potts, always with the brother with the same mother, Aaron Potts, Super Hot Potts, and you're watching and listening to your favorite two black runners every single two black two. And for those listening on on this Tuesday, you heard that applause. We're, we're bro, live. That's crazy. We're live that's in crazy. New York City, bro. No, this is our third time ever doing a podcast like with guests in person. Like last time was this August in, in the pre-classic with Chris Chavez and then some of the guys we met in New Gen. Now this time we have like some like some great guests. Olympians. Like some Olympians, all stars. Yes, yes, yes. Crazy, crazy. Should we just should we just introduce it? Yeah, man, just introduce them. You, you, you know what it is. You know, you know, first up, we got the high school legend on the, on the track and cross country. I ran against yes, this sir. dude in high school and he destroyed me. It wasn't even a competition. I pretty much wasn't in the race, but it's because he was a part of that NAU dynasty too. That's still dynasty. going right now. He was a big part of that. And then also he's a 22, 2020 Olympian and 5,000 meter finalist. He's the third fastest ever in the NCAA. Luis Grajava, Louis G on the podcast. What's Luis good? Thank you for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Then also beside him, we got another legend. I like this stat right here, what I'm gonna say. First in her village to receive a degree. I like that one real good. And then also, she is the 2020 Olympic Trials Marathon Champion, 12th in the NYC Marathon. She has a marathon Jeez. time of 2.26. Alephine Tumuk is also joining us on the podcast. That's some amazing stats, bro. That's an amazing stat, and to be with our guests live is amazing. And just to start off, Luis, Alephine, how are you enjoying New York so far? How's your stay been? I mean, Luis, I know you just got in, but how are y'all feeling? Jet lagged at all? Uh, not too bad. It's my, uh, yeah, it's my first time ever in New York since I was here when I was a year old. But uh, feeling pretty great. I love the city, I love the skyscrapers, and just a different atmosphere from the mountains to the cities, for sure. Then for you, Alephine, how are you joining it? Feeling really good. Um, got here two days ago. Last night, came here with you guys, with some people, and we had a really good event, and then went out and had a glass of wine. So yeah. I feel good. I like that. I like that. We, we, we followed suit with, with you last night, too. But just to start off, you know, we wanted to, we have our two Olympians, and last year's Olympics were very unconventional. But when did that Olympic dream start for you? Um, let's start off with Luis. Yeah, so uh, my Olympic dream was pretty odd for most people, just because, um, uh, as a lot of people know, I'm on DACA, and what DACA basically is, is uh, it kind of protects me to be in the United States, but the only thing with that is I can't leave the United States, so it was kind of an issue there, but uh, it kind of started out, I got the Olympic uh, qualifier uh, in my last college race for NCAAs, I ran 1313, and I think the time was 1313.5, and I ran 1313.2, I believe. Mm -hmm. And uh, so it was kind of odd just because I knew I could go to the Olympics and represent Guatemala for my country, but it was weird because uh, I couldn't leave the, the country because uh, of my situation. But uh, yeah, it kind of began in, in June. And uh, as soon as I signed with Hoka and Flint Sports, I kind of knew it, it could become a reality where it was possible. And I was really fortunate and lucky to have that. It was stressful, but had yeah. that last month of, of it being taxing, but being able to go to the Olympics was insane. When you were a kid, did you ever think about going to the Olympics? Is that was ever a goal for you? Yeah, for, for sure. Uh, I think 
kind of elementary school and middle school, there's always a possibility like sitting on TV and seeing all these runners and even other professional athletes just compete, like watching it on TV was pretty intense. But uh, yeah, I think it was, it was a little dream when I was a little, it was a big dream when I was a little kid and just for it to become a reality was insane. For you, Alephine, was it similar about when you were a little kid, you started dreaming about going to the Olympics? Is that when the dream kind of started? No, bro, no. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, started dreaming about going to the Olympics when I was about 12 years old. And uh, so I met my running hero. Her name is Tekla Lorupe. And she's the Af first African woman to win New York City Marathon. This is like back in the day, of course. Um, and so I was going to this, uh, you know, little track meet. And I met with her. And I was barefooted. And she was so impressed, you know, with uh, the races that I had done so far. And she's like, I'm going to give you a pair of shoes. And she's like, and by the way, I'm getting ready to go run uh, the Olympics. And I'm like, what is that? And so she explained to me, and uh, she was getting ready to run the 2000 uh, Olympics. And I believe that was the day that my Olympic dream was born. This is back in 2000. So that's like, what, 21 years ago? That's when I was born. Oh. <laughs> Crazy. Now and I feel so old. <laughs> <laughs> What's crazy, though, too, is for both of you all, you know, you had this dream of making your Olympics your entire life. And Luis, like you said, you qualified and then you have the DACA situation, you know, lingering over you. Alephine, you qualify and then you're blessed, you're blessed uh, with a baby girl. And at the same time, too, they're trying to, you know, not, uh, not allow you to bring her with you. So what is, what is just one thing overall from COVID you took away from it, good or bad? Yeah, you have to understand, like, you have to be safe for everyone, not just for yourself. And sometimes... Olympics were it was postponed for a year just for uh, pandemic s safety and issues but um yeah I think the good has come out of this is just um knowing that like I will always have running in my to have my back no matter what through mm -hmm. through the good through the bad and in, in situations uh, I think for me like uh not competing for a year for uh COVID was pretty uh tough on all of us but I'm sure I wasn't the only one in this situation and there's people who lost their jobs and couldn't um get income for their families so I always had to be uh just be uh be blessed and be fortunate to um just be aware of others because it might it might it might be bad for me but I know for a lot of other people it's worse so just always try to be happy and have a positive mindset yeah most definitely I find it for me too that running's always been like an outlet when things aren't going the right way so especially in COVID to have like that consistent like running when there was nothing really happening made me feel like something was happening at times. That was my good thing. For Alephine, what was your one good thing or one bad thing that happened in COVID that you can take away from it? Yeah, so one good thing that happened because of COVID was I had my daughter. Um, her name is Zoe. She's now nine and a half months old. Um, so that was a really good thing. I always, you know, knew that I wanted to go to the Olympics, but I also knew that I wanted to have a family. And when COVID happened, I remember thinking, well, I got New York City Marathon in the fall. And when it looked like we weren't going to have New York either, I was like, okay, I'm just going to have a child. And so that was really good. But like, you know, Louis said, um, aside from that, it was really difficult, you know, for all of us. Um, and I think that we all came out of that knowing how awesome it is to have human interactions and I feel like we will never take for granted again being together being close to each other and definitely running you know like I think a lot of people discovered running and you know not just me but I realized then that I really needed running not just because I get paid by hooker to do it yeah. but also because it's just such a stress reliever you know it's just 
a way of life and I feel like a lot of people were able to uh, you know start running and I'm really glad that we all get to continue to do that and we all continue to enjoy the human interactions yeah for us you know we started this podcast in like 2019 of December so like once once COVID hit it was on honestly an opportunity because Zoom Zoom came out as we all know and I was like well athletes aren't doing nothing let's just DM them and see if we could get them on the podcast shoot, shoot your shot and you know and and it kind of it kind of worked out for us uh, with that happening but I wanted to ask both of you too is there anything that you learned about yourself through you know going to the Olympics COVID is there anything you learned uh, about yourself like what you need or you were, you were saying running really helped you in that way, but anything that helps you grow that you learned over that time? Um, I think for me, it just honestly, just like, yeah, like no matter what, even if I'm not competing or if there's an upcoming race, that, like I said before, it's like I think running is always there to have, be, be there for my backup. Like uh, whenever I stress or when I'm happy or I'm sad or angry or anything, I always look out towards running to – kind of be my uh therapist i guess yeah. you know it just it just the the way when you run on an easy day or like how long you go it just depends how you feel but sometimes it just like frees your mind sometimes and just i don't know it's just different when i think running is it's a cool sport because like the the more you put into it, the the more you're going to get out of it you know so i think it's unlike basketball or football where i feel like you have to have like some kind of genetic skills but running is your own kind of your own experiment, your own body, where you could, where, whatever you put into it, the more you're going to receive and put back forth to it. Yeah, most definitely. And I just feel like, I feel like those runs too, where running does become your therapist, like those low-key be the best runs sometimes. Most like I'll be on those runs sometimes and start running like 6.30, 6 minutes. I'm like, dang, I'm, I'm low-key Louise Scrawl for a second. <laughs> you know, like, and I'm thinking about all this stuff, but it's definitely something that really motivates you once you're out there and able to start getting those miles really going. For you, Alephine, what did you learn about running over these past, like, what, 18 months now during these hard times? Yeah, I think the one thing that I learned about myself is that I'm very resilient, you know, like I named my hats, by the way, LET Resiliency Beanies, and I started making them in 2019 because I was, uh, I had a stress fracture, and I was supposed to be, I mean, the normal eight weeks out, and then I was like, I don't think I could do this. Little did I know that 2020 was coming and that we weren't going to run for a really long time, um, and so I really learned to be resilient. I just learned that I was super resilient. I can do things that I never thought I could. Um, and so what I did in 2020 was I did a lot of crocheting again for my hats. Of course, when I came back from the Olympic trials, everybody wanted to have their hands on it. And I'm like, what were you guys doing? <laughs> you know, like you should have ordered before. Did you not anticipate this? Not just kidding. Um, <laughs> but so I did a lot of that. Um, and I just realized, you know, like the beauty of being a human being is having a family, you know, like having people that will always be there for you. And I feel like that, like 2020, the isolation in 2020 made me realize like, okay, even though I have running and we have so many things going on in our lives, I think it's very important to have those people in your corner, the people that you can always turn to no matter what. And I definitely, that became clear to me in 2020. And I don't know, I'm just so grateful um, that I have a great family, you know, that I have running and I have a great running family. Uh, that's just awesome. One thing that I feel like both of you have in common too is you have really good teams behind you. Like, Luis, I remember when your DACA situation was happening, the first time I heard about it was through Abdi Hamid posting it on his Instagram and it really blew up 
uh, through that. And Alphine, I know with everyone on Nas, you all are like a little family too. What did it mean to have your teammates um, having your back throughout all of the hard times? Yeah, it was pretty special from my situation. Just, um, yeah, like, um, it was crazy. So Abi Hamid made a post on Instagram that kind of blew up on uh, social media. And then, uh, yeah, just, it's crazy situation. Like, I would never thought ever in my life where, like, uh, like Abi, me and Abi Hamid are really close. Mm -hmm. And, like, he lives with me. So we're like, good, really good friends. But he's, like, more like a brother to me. But just to have that support system is really huge. And I think everybody needs a support system. But to have that, like, blow up the way it did it was crazy. Uh, yeah, it just blew up on social media like on so many platforms from like local newspapers to like uh, city newspapers to state newspapers to uh, nationwide. So for it to explode from a little story to a big story was incredible. And the, the amazing part of it, thing about it too was like people I didn't even know were supporting me in yeah. so many ways. Like people I never heard of, people I never met, people who I never thought would even try to support me in that way did. And uh, it's pretty special how the, the rented community builds a lot of builds everyone together and it's, just, it's, it's awesome and special like to be honest I would never would have thought I, I don't think I would have gone to the Olympics without their support their help wow. at all just cause I need I feel like you need that support and it, it's incredible like um, sometimes I'm just very grateful and thankful for uh, to have people like that in my life because yeah without them yeah uh, my life would have been completely different for sure. Yeah, it's really great to just have people and like day ones that really just rally around you no matter what. And especially like NAZ Elite now with like Steph and Kellen, like you all just like whole group of moms, like really just like that energy. I feel like uh, that power that you guys have really, you can see it through like the TV you're watching or you can see it when you guys run past in the marathon or even just the bond that you guys share, even just as friends and as women together. And even with the whole entire team as well with like Matt Baxter and Tyler Day. Uh, what has it been like for you to have that, that group around you during these hard, hard times? It's been really nice to have my NEC family um, because just you guys know NEC is a professional running team in Flagstaff, Arizona. We have three amazing moms and you know at the Olympic trials we went one, six and eight so we probably outperformed everyone else. Um, Let them know. We should have all Talk gone to the talks. Olympics. <laughs> but um, so it's really nice to have them, um, you know, like even when I came back, you know, I didn't know this, but like I thought I could just, as an Olympic trials champion, I thought I could just pop out a baby and go back and run and kick everybody's butt. That's not what happened. And so having my teammates really helped. I think there were a lot of times where I would go out running uh, when I started in the beginning and I just didn't think I could come back. And then when I rejoined my teammates and they just made things so easy for me, but also in a way so hard because they also kicked my butt and they were like, yeah, payback. <laughs> I'm like, what? I thought we were all sisters. Um, but. Uh, they did help me though, they were my sisters and they always had my back. And then going back to the 2020 when we were training for the trials, I think that was one of the times that I realized just how important it is to have those teammates that were so close to me. There, there we were, six of us training for this one uh, race, you know, and we definitely got really, really close. And I know for a fact that without NEC Elite, I would not have been able to make it, you know, to the Olympics. I would not have been able to get through those workouts and make it to the Olympics. So it was very special, and I, I'm just so grateful. Um, they bring out the best in me, in yeah. us, you know, like as a mom, as a runner, as a human being. So I'm really grateful to have them. And our coach, Ben, who is here this morning, is also awesome. He's not nice when it comes to workouts, <laughs> but, you know, 
we like him. We keep him around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, and it seems the chemistry on your team, we can all see it. I see it at NAU as well. Alfie, I think you already answered this question. There was no doubt in your mind that you were going to compete in the Olympics. And I, I love that you had that attitude. But Luis, did that ever cross your mind with everything going on? Like, man, like, I'm just not going to, I'm not going to compete. Or was it, were you always just kind of like, no, I'm going to make it happen? Uh, to be honest, I, I didn't think I was going to be able to compete in the Olympic Games this year just because my situation. And by the time uh, I ran the standard in June 14th, 13th, I believe. Mm -hmm. So kind of like in the middle of June. And yeah, uh, I thought by, by then it was a little bit too late because I, I already knew I would all I had to do was run the Olympic standard, but uh, I now will be selected for the team. But the only issue with that is how would I be able to leave the country and be able to come back? And to be honest, like, yeah, I didn't think I was going to go at all. Yeah, and wow. Yeah, so That's crazy. how the situation played out is um, I hired my lawyer, uh, Jessica, on July 1st to get a special uh, permit that allows me to leave the country and come back in. And usually this permit takes up to 90 days. And I hired it on July 1st, and then we got the permit within 25 days or so, so, so on the 25th. So we got it on a Monday, and then three days later, I had to fly to Tokyo. So it was that, wow. you know, it was that close. So yeah, uh, to be honest, we, um, we actually booked our flight uh, kind of like, like two days before my first race because we didn't know if I was gonna be able to go. And we wanna have uh, that little wiggle room of like, if we did get the permit, let's see how many, uh, just to just have a couple of, uh, days for uh, safety. So yeah, I didn't know I was gonna go until like, yeah, three days before my flight or two days before my flight. And then I got to Tokyo and then two days later I raced and then three days later for the final. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. To bro. do all that, then to make the 5,000 meter final, it's really, beast. yeah, it's, it's a beast, it's, it's a beast. But I think it's like, with all that de determination obviously says for you, and you're a talented athlete as well, to go to like the 5,000 meter final and like qualify through that semi-final heat. But like, if you didn't make it to the Olympics because of like this DACA and you, didn't, you couldn't get the permission and everything, would you have been satisfied with like your season? Would that have been able, would you have been able to be all like, oh, I got the standard and like, I got it. Would, you, would that have satisfied you or did you need that extra thing for that to happen? Uh, I, I would have said I would have been satisfied, but as athletes, like, you know, I think we always strive for the next best thing. And um, you gotta think of like for track and field and for athletics, uh, the Olympic Games is only every four years, and for track and field athletes, it's like the, the pinnacle of our sport. It's the biggest accomplishment you could possibly receive in our sport. It's, yeah, it's only every four years, so uh, I don't think I would have been satisfied, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> now, looking back at it, just the whole experience of like being in the Olympic Village and meeting people from all over the world was pretty incredible, and just yeah, representing Guatemala, yeah. a smaller nation who doesn't have much representation in Olympic Games was pretty special. And especially making the final two was pretty big for me because I, um, I knew if I wanted to go to Olympic Games, especially represent Guatemala, I wanted to do something special with it. And I, I think making the final, would it was a really big accomplishment for me at the time where I'm at right now in my running career. And to be able to do that and just, uh, I guess, how to handle that stress because that, literally that last month, uh, uh, in July it was pretty stressful of like leading up to the lawyer and the, the paperwork and yeah. all of that and then leaving three days before uh, leaving three getting the permit and then three days later leaving to Tokyo and then two days 
later racing. So, yeah, I think, yeah, definitely I would not have been satisfied at all. And I think, like, with on top of that, like, both of you have had such a big impact. I feel like even if you, like, I feel like, Louise, if you didn't make it, the impact that you would have had as, like, a DACA recipient trying to go out of the country to do such a great thing. Because I know somebody, like, in cross country that I ran at Mount Sac that who is a DACA recipient, and they do cross country. And I, I know for a fact, like, he was inspired by your story. And then, Alephine, you fit so many variety of boxes. That's, like, the first yes. African-American with uh, Sally Kipiego being marathoner, qualifying for that, then coming back from injury, then being a mother as well. Like the impact that y'all made from just going to the Olympics is gonna last for such a long time. But for you, Alephine, to go to like the Olympics with that stress fracture and to drop out of the marathon, like that's hard. And usually in running as well, it's always like time and accolades and then it's the impact later. And the first thing that we see is that time or that DNF or the injury that may happen. Were there ever times where like that injury and those type of setbacks kind of overwhelmed you and then how'd you get over that? Yeah, so, um, you know, it was really awesome when I came back after having a child and um, I remember I ran my first race back on July 4th and it went really well, actually it went better than I expected and at that point I was still like, training was really, really hard. Um, but then once I came back from that race, everything went really well, and I got really excited. And the rest of you know July went really, really well. And I remember doing my last um, big effort run, which was a 15-mile uh, steady state at marathon effort, and it went really, really well. And as soon as I did my cool down after that run, I was like, oh, I feel something. But then I was like, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. um, However, it didn't ended up being a really big deal because I'm not running yet. Um, and so I think I thought that it was going to go away. I just thought that it was just a small thing and it was going to go away. And even at the Olympics, I feel like a lot of my experience was um, clouded by that because, I mean, my daughter was like six and a half months old and a lot of people said you couldn't do it. And I think that was probably one of the reasons why I really pushed myself because I was like, are you kidding me? You have no idea who I am. You don't know what I've been through and I'm just going to show you that I can do it. And, you know, in hindsight, I think I might have been a little too uh, excited and I probably um, ended up doing runs that I shouldn't have done. Uh, I'm sorry, coach. Um, <laughs> and so looking back, would I have done things differently? I think I would have. I feel like I I got the most out of what I needed to do and we got so close to actually doing it. And even like the day before the race, I was like, well, I think tomorrow once the gun goes off, the adrenaline and all that is going to kick in. But now that I know it's a stress fracture, I know for sure that there's no way I could have gotten away with that. Um, and so I'm just hoping that a lot of people were still inspired, you know, by the journey. And I still, I think that because I didn't do what I wanted to do, I'm definitely inspired to hopefully make it back again to the Olympics and actually go kick butt. Um, but I... There were a lot of moms too that reached out to me. A lot of, um, like in the beginning, a lot of moms, especially of like African-American kids or like kids of color saying, we are so excited that you got to represent us. You know, at the time when I won the trials, I never really, I've never thought about my, of myself as, oh, I'm, you know, I'm a minority. You know, I've always, you know, I've been like, I'm an American and I'm so excited. Mm -hmm. I came from a very small village in Kenya and to be living this American dream is such an incredible thing. And after the trials, it was only when so many people were, you know, like messaging me and I was like, oh, 
I didn't realize, wow, okay, this is really cool. And so to have been able to inspire a little girl watching the marathon saying, I want to be that marathon someday. You know, I feel like a lot of times, um, you know, black girls especially are probably like, oh, well, I probably, I'm going to go um, and run the 100 meters, you know, because they've never seen somebody like me running the marathon because I feel like you can dream to be something that you don't see. And so for them to have seen that, I, I just feel very honored. And training for the Olympic marathon as a mom, so many moms was really inspired. And actually last night when I was having, I was enjoying my glass of wine. Um, and of course my daughter is like being controlling and crying and you know, getting everybody's attention. This mom from Florida came up and say, oh my God, Alfin, it's you. And I'm like, well, whoa, chill sister, who <laughs> are you? And so she, you know, she's like, I have eight month old uh, daughter and you've really inspired me, you know? And so there's a lot of women that, are, that were inspired by my journey. And I think that's all I could have asked for. Um, I feel like in 2021, uh, women are still being told that if you decide to be a mom, you probably won't be able to perform well. And I feel like with what we did I, and sharing the journey, a lot of moms are like, or future moms are like, okay, I can do it because somebody is doing it. And I'm definitely, um, you know, priding myself at creating awareness. Hopefully we can continue to create awareness so that 20 years from now, you know, if there's a new mom who is going to the Olympics, she won't have to worry about, oh, am I going to be able to take my child with yeah. me or am I going to choose like between going to the Olympics and you know being a mom I hope that will not be the case anymore Alfin where does this resilience and perseverance where does that where does that come from I think it just comes from uh, growing up you know in a really big family I'm from a family of 31 siblings um, my dad has four wives it's not from one mom and so um, I have seven full siblings and you know, growing up in a small village and my parents are really not educated, they don't have like jobs, you know, you kind of learn to work really, really hard to be able to get ahead. And um, being able to come to the United States, you know, is a dream come true for me, let alone, you know, being able to run to the, at the Olympics representing US. And so like, I have just learned that if I wanted to get somewhere, all I had to do was work my butt off and I'm in a really good place where I actually have the opportunities as long as I put myself in a good place. And so anytime I have a challenge, I just remind myself that there are people that I left behind in Kenya who don't have the opportunity that I have and so I don't really have an excuse. I just have to continue to work my butt off and um, I want to represent you know, my country well. I want to represent Hoka well because it's just incredible to see this company that started not too long ago and we are kicking butt now and to have been able to win that marathon trials in the Hoka shoes, that was awesome. You know, yeah. I think that, I mean, how is our shoe sale for that racing shoe? I think it wound up, right? Because <laughs> I just think that, I mean, I'm just cool too, but um, I just think that to represent the people that, are, that have your back, you just bound to be resilient when, because you know that you're doing something uh, that is bigger than you and so and now as a mom I know that everything I'm doing my daughter is going to be watching it even if she's not watching it today but she's gonna grow up in this age of social media she's gonna go back and be like what did you do did you do it to the best of your ability and so I have to be resilient and I, I just think that it's where I've come from and I know that being in a place where there's so many opportunities there's just so much more to be achieved so I always have to be resilient this is just the beginning this is just the beginning 
And that really reminds me, too, of you especially saying that you have people back home in Kenya. When we had Hilary Bohr, another Hoka Olympian, on the podcast, and he's with that group of like Paul Chalimo and Shadrach Kipchichur, and they share that same common goal, too, because they all have people at home in Kenya from that same place, and they're all running for the U.S. and really just having that dream for a better life for their for their family like going forward. And for both of you, too, like you guys both came from out of the country, Louise very much younger than Alephine, but you guys decided to run for your native, well, Luis decided to run for Guatemala and Alephine decided to run for the US. And I just wanted to ask a little bit about that. We can start with Luis, but deciding to run for Guatemala, you already talked about the impact at first, but was that a hard decision for you to kind of make? And like, what was like the deciding factor to go into that? Because it's definitely something special for both of you to run for the US and Guatemala. Yeah, I think for me, um yeah, so uh, I'm technically I'm not an American citizen, but uh, DACA still protects me and still allows me to be here. And kind of my whole reasoning is uh, I think I could have waited to represent the United States uh, in a couple of years from now when, if I gain, ever gain access to become a citizenship. But uh, I think if I wanted to run at Olympic Games in, in uh, Tokyo, I would have had to run, compete for Guatemala. And I, I think for me personally, I think it's – it's, it's better for me because, yeah, it's, it's where my roots started. It's where I was born, and that's where I have generations of my mom's family and my dad's family who they, where they grew up from. And, and um, it's just crazy uh, how much support uh, the people from Gu- Guatemala have uh, for me. And um, I think if I, if I had to choose, if I, if I had a choice of my decision, I think I'll still represent Guatemala. Uh, yeah, I was born there. That's where my roots started. But... I get to represent people who never really have that much representation mm-hmm. in the Olympic Games, but just to, I don't know, not be an idol in any sort of way, but like just to kind of be a figure for those people who we can do it, because Guatemala isn't known for track and field or nothing, athletics or anything like that. So, yeah, I think for me, it's awesome to represent my family and the people of Guatemala, but also in my situation too, um, Often can relate to is that we're both immigrants, so I think that's really special and really powerful too, because immigrants really uh, make up this country in a lot of ways. And I don't know, for me especially, just being a DACA recipient and being a, a dreamer, there's only 600,000 dreamers in America, so to be a voice in some type of way is pretty special. And just to to know that out of those 600,000 dreamers, there could be somebody else like me who might not have an opportunity like that to compete at Olympic Games or in a bigger event in some type of way. But, yeah, just to, yeah, I guess I always have to remind myself how, how special, how lucky I am to be in the situation I am right now, to be in America, uh, guess be, have a sponsorship with Hoka, and mm-hmm. to be able to run. And for me, it's just a, it's, it's an honor. But, yeah, just, yeah, I, hopefully um, my story uh, kind of, brought awareness to a lot of people and and shook some heads from uh, the administration of uh, of the president. So like, hopefully in the in the future, uh, DACA recipients and, and myself, like myself, can have m- uh, more opportunities to leave the country and be able to come back uh, in and out of the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's crazy. Like both of you already made big impacts, you know, on on, like Joshua was saying, when someone on his team was a Docker recipient, they were inspired by you. Alephine, last night, someone just came up and approached you and just talked about how inspiring you are. What advice would you give to just minorities or immigrants in 
the same situations as you to like how to persevere through some of these obstacles that are presented to them? Yeah, I, I think for me, um, there's some there's a lot of limitation being an immigrant sometimes, and sometimes you might have advantages, and sometimes you might have disadvantages, but most likely it's always you have a disadvantage. And for me, myself, um, yeah, I knew uh, <laughs> DACA is, is pretty tricky because the, the only really way I could become a, a citizen right now is to marry an American woman. And then it's hey. kind of crazy, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of crazy because I've been in this country since I, I was a year old, you know? So I've been here for over 21 years. I'm 22 right now. So it's kind of crazy to think that I've been in the United States for 21 years and have not gotten any closer to anybody else to become a citizen who typically immigrant could stay here for a couple of years and then apply for a citizenship. But just the way it's structured is, uh, it makes it, makes you have a disadvantage. But I say for, uh, immigrants in my situation or in different situations, so always keep believing, keep fighting and just keep doing what you're doing because in all honesty, like, uh, America was, was built on immigrants, you know, all the yeah. Europeans came here to have a future in the, in the new world. So I say, just keep fighting, keep believing in yourself and don't let, don't let anyone ever bring you down. Mm -hmm. Alphine, do you have any advice as well? I think um, America is the greatest country there's ever been. And um, I believe that even in Louis' situation, you know, people came together and we all, you know, were behind him and he got to go to the Olympics. I don't think that happens in any other country. And so, yes, we might have obstacles, but I think in the end, you know, like a lot of people have really good hearts and there's, there's opportunities here, you know, like where I grew up, for example, you could have a really good education, but if you don't know someone, you're not going to be able to get a job. Over here, you know, it's like if you work hard, if you have the credentials, you can definitely go far. And so I believe in this country. I believe in what we stand for. And being an immigrant and coming from somewhere else, you kind of have a perspective of how bad it is somewhere else that you will always see an opportunity, you know. And so my advice to those people, it's like you're in a great place and... You know, if you continue to work hard and be humble, I think you're going to be able to go places. Yeah, kind of what Alpine said is, yeah, like, my parents came to the United States to have a better life. And I, America did have that for my parents and I. And the things I would have the things I did in America, I don't think I would have done in Guatemala. Just the way the structure is set for athletics and school here is just so different and so prioritized in athletics rather than uh, other countries where uh, it's not so developed. But yeah, coming here was, it changed my life in so many ways. And just to be lucky to be here and be sitting right next to all of you guys is pretty special for me, you know? Yeah, yeah. This is really just an inspiring podcast. I know. Aaron. I can't wait for people, for people here to go back and listen to it, for people at home listening to it first time and everything. Aaron, you got anything else before we open up the Q&A? No, just thank you. Thank you all for sitting down with us, having this conversation. I think everyone here appreciates it. But I think we need to open it up to questions. Anyone have questions, you can come up, ask. You get to be on the podcast. All right, step up, step up. Yeah, I was wondering if you could talk about um, how much running you did while you were pregnant. <laughs> why are you trying to make me tell everybody why I'm broken? Um, oh. <laughs> Um, I did run quite a bit, actually. I ran, I remember when I was uh, 18 weeks pregnant, I, I went on this 20-mile long run, and I almost dropped my teammates. They're not here yet, right? I'm talking about them. Um, so I did run a lot. I think that was the longest streak of 20-mile long runs that I did over the weekend. Um, but 
I, I ran until I was about 37 and a half weeks pregnant. So I was very lucky, you know, for the most part, I felt really good. Um, but I wouldn't recommend it, though. I think that um, there were times I ran through pain that I should, looking back now, I should probably have not ran um, some of those days. There were times I was running five miles and I would have had to take a break a couple of times to, like, just catch my breath and be like, okay, I, I can do this. And at, during those times, I thought I would never be able to make it to the Olympics because, I mean, if you can finish a five-mile run without stopping. <laughs> okay, funny story. One day, I was on a run. I was on a nine-mile run, and I was in so much pain, and I stopped, and I asked this guy to lend me his, his phone so I could call my fiancé and be like, come get me. He's like, sorry, I don't have a phone. And I'm like, I'm pregnant, though. I, I really need to call my fiance. He's like, you shouldn't be running. I'm like, thanks, bro. Yeah, <laughs> I got to go to the Olympics. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> so I know. Can you share a little bit about your long-term goals, perhaps one running goal and one life goal? Luis, you want to start? Yeah. Um, I think a running goal for me is uh, uh, obviously for for uh, kind of more track and field athletes on the track is like uh, kind of the global stage of like the war athletics uh, or the war championships or the Olympic Games is always the top priority. And for me, uh, making the the final was a big accomplishment uh, this past summer in the 5,000 meters. It was a big a big accomplishment for me just because it was my first time ever at a global stage where. The, the people of the competition is m more in depth and you guys you got the world record holder in the field and just everyone's in everyone's fast and just more more aggressive so for me a goal for me is learning how to race internationally just because it's so more it's much more aggressive and uh, people you know they pick it up and they slow down and like they fart like it you know they just it's just a different style everyone's a lot nicer in the United States but globally like everyone's a lot meaner to push you shove you and like learning how to race in that situation, but a uh, long-term goal, probably uh, get a, a medal at a global stage. I think that's a, that'll be huge for me. And uh, I think life goal for me is, um, I think we're running sometimes in the community, in the running world, uh, it's really secretive and you don't know too much about an athlete. And I think uh, we gotta change that because, yeah, I feel like sometimes you don't know what the top runner in the world is doing or you don't know too much about a certain athlete. So for me, I kind of want to be uh, just an inspiration to other people and kind of tell my story and my background from where I grew up from and how my story played out in the U.S. and just my situation because I feel like I, I can inspire a lot of people to um, pursue similar mindsets or just help them out and motivate them in some type of way. And yeah, I just want to, I, I think for me, I want to help out people who are more, mostly young adolescents and just high schoolers mostly. and you know, maybe in the future start something with Hoka to help young adolescents uh, thrive for for success in the future. Just because uh, uh, I had a lot of for, yeah, I had a lot of mentors and I had a lot of opportunities where without those people, I wouldn't have been here where I'm at right now. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, my running goal would be to win one of the major marathons, which is like New York City Marathon, Boston Marathon, and I mean I've won the Olympic trials now, so I trying to think that I'm in the big league now, right? Um, so hopefully in next year I can come to New York and I'm not, you know, broken again and I can win New York or win Boston or one of those major marathons because I think that I have a really good opportunity and I was telling um, Mike McManus, who works, um, my boss, I guess, um, <laughs> earlier that when I trained for the Olympic, uh, after coming back 
from having a child and I was training and it just went so well and I'm like I really feel sorry for somebody that is going to raise me next year or the year after and so I really think that I have a chance to actually like not just show up at the line healthy but win the race um and as far as life goal is concerned my god my life is so tied to running that I'm not sure if I can differentiate it um I think I just want to be the best human being that I can be you know um as a runner and as a mom and as a role model, you know, to girls in my community, as a role model to, you know, uh, kids of color, I just want to inspire them to dream bigger than uh, they ever imagined possible and know that if they work really hard, they will be able to get to where they want to be. Man, this is nice. This is nice. I just see a new, I see a new program for Hoka with Luis's kids, and I see Alephine winning New York next year. I see that happening. I, I see mean, that happening. Hoka, we inspire. We inspire people, so... They're great athletes that align with the brand. Um, I think we have time for maybe one more question, though. <laughs> one more. All right. No? <laughs> All right. We, I, I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. I'm going to give it to him. I'm sorry. I said, I said yes too early. We're going we're gonna to do it, though. We're going to do it. I'll try to make it easy on you guys. Appreciate yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. So, obviously, Alephine, you've been with Ben for ages at this point. Luis, early in the, in the professional career but a lot's happened over the last 18 months in your personal life. How do you manage the coach-athlete perspective in that relationship to ensure that the human side that you need is well taken care of? Especially, you've been with Mike, so you know we hear a lot about what Mike Smith brings to the table, so I'm just wondering, as a person, how do you bring that out and make sure that they're respecting you as a person and giving you what you need? Yeah, uh, so I'm pretty fortunate to have uh, Mike Smith, who is my uh, coach at college for NAU and who's my current coach right now and just uh, the one thing he always makes make sure what I'm doing right is um, if I'm what type of human uh, what type of person I'm being and he always tries to for me to be uh, uh, just a respectful human being for sure and just um, be positive in so many ways but he also makes sure he makes sure that I have time for for myself personally if like Maybe if I don't want to run one day, I ask him, hey, I don't feel like running. Can I take a day off and you'll be fine? But he always makes because it's weird because he always makes sure he makes sure that uh, when, it, when I'm in the, in the heat of the heart of the season, it's really intense. And sometimes you're always going at it. For me, uh, it was pretty intense this whole entire past year because, uh, yeah, I had uh, cross country nationals for college in March and then at NCAAs in June and then I had the Olympic Games in August. So it was, it was just going, it was like nonstop going, 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 but he makes sure when I'm on break, I'm on break and just, just to relax and enjoy every single moment. Cause sometimes, yeah, it's, it's always intense, but sometimes you always have to be relaxed for sure. I think for me, um, I've changed coaches a few times and I kind of know that I want some, uh, I want my coach to respect me, you know, as a human being, I'm not a machine, obviously. Um, and so I feel like the older I've gotten, the more I know what I want uh, from a coach. And so when I'm at practice with my teammates who are here now, I can't talk back about I can't talk bad about them now. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> um, I think that we all are adults enough to know what we want uh, when we are in training. And so when I am out training, my coach is everything in terms of what he wants me to do. I 
don't think I know what I need to do when it comes to running. Uh, I seek his guidance. But outside of that, you know, he is also like a mentor. You know, if I had a question that is not necessarily running related, I can be able to run by him. I, I think that he's, he's kind of like a friend in that sense. And so I believe that if you're going to go far, you need coaches that understand you, that, you know, like respect you. It's a human being and wants what's best for you. Like your health is the priority, you know, as much as we talk about performances, we also want to be healthy. And so you want somebody that is there for you and who is there to hold you back if he feels like what you're doing is going to destroy you because you want to be able to continue to have that relationship and stay in the sport longer. All right, well, thank you, Alephine, for Luis for joining us and good luck on everything going forward. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs>